1: Inside Sources, Inside Sources, Inside Sources, where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, big international weekend. Leaders, of course, from the U.S. and across the globe continued uh, their conversations in Egypt this week for the U.N. Climate Change Conference. Their goal is to work through problems and politics to reduce climate change. But what's really being discussed? Where's the real focus? Are leaders really zeroing in on the right kinds of solutions? Or is it just more politics getting in the way of good policy? Uh, pleased to have uh, back on the program Phil Rossetti, resident senior fellow at the R Street Institute. He uh, focuses his research on energy, climate, and environmental policy. Uh, to really identify those low-cost, free market opportunities to improve environmental outcomes. It's always about the outcomes. Phil, thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me. Uh,
1: so let's dive right in. Uh, I'm going to start with the headline of your piece. Uh, is climate change still the priority of the climate conference?
0: <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, it seems like it isn't anymore. Uh, it's been very interesting to see kind of over recent years much more of the focus at the, uh, the annual COP, the Conference of the Parties, has been on legacy emissions and developed uh, nations, you know, the rich nations like the United States. And as we're seeing you know, more of these climate impacts, uh, the developing nations, the poor nations, are very quick to say, hey, you, know, you guys got to do something about this. Uh, there need to be funds to help our development, et cetera, and, and cope with these things, uh, what they're calling loss and damage. Uh, and this is all you know, well and good, and it's important to keep a, a clear view of, of these issues. But it's also not going to reduce future problems. It's not going to reduce future costs. Uh, really, if we want to bring down these costs and improve people's livelihoods in the future, we need to be focused on actual emission mitigation, where those opportunities are, and that is not really what's being discussed at the COP anymore.
1: Yeah, and so let's dive into that just a little bit uh, in terms of what's happened between 2010 and 2020 in terms of where those emissions increases are coming from and, and also where the decreases. Who's doing well in those categories?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So looking at, you know, in the past and in the future, uh, both in the past, the developing nation has uh, developing nations have been the largest source of emissions increases. China, especially, has increased their emissions uh, massively. They're about uh, close to around a quarter of global emissions now. Uh, Developed nations, rich nations, they've reduced their emissions. The United States has been the leader. Basically, since 2010, we've been responsible for about half of all emission declines in developed nations. Um, Since 2005, we've, we've basically cut our emissions more than every other developed nation combined. And then you look forward... And the developing nations, that is expected to be over 90% of the emissions increase. So when we're focusing on the rich nations and saying, hey, what are you going to do on climate? Uh, That's really not where the opportunity lies for curtailing emissions. They're already cutting their emissions, uh, whereas it's the developing nations who have uh, rapidly growing energy demands. Uh, That's where we see the biggest opportunity to keep a lid on these temperature increases.
2: I'm Dave Cauley
1: Yeah, and so as you as you look at that, and looking particularly at China and India, they seem to to be uh, the real driving force in, in much of that. W- what are the conversations uh, around that? I mean, is it is it just simply uh, uh, please, please, please? We really need you to <laughs> do better with emissions, uh, or is this just kind of a circular conversation?
0: Uh, I, I'd say it's been more of a circular conversation. <laughs> you know, it, it's very. Um, yeah, the challenge for India and China is they're so reliant on coal and fossil energy for their emissions or sorry, for their economic growth that they they know they can't really separate these out. And so you hear China talking a lot about clean energy, but they're about half of the world's annual coal consumption. Uh, there's just no way that they can uh, cheaply and easily make these transitions. So they're more focused on uh, critiquing the United States and other countries. And it's been interesting. There hasn't really been a whole lot of old uh, India and China to task or keep them accountable for these emission increases. Uh, India's pledge for uh, cutting emissions is entirely contingent on other countries paying for it. You know, they're saying they'll make progress, but someone else has to foot the bill. Uh, so this is not really a recipe for actual improvements in emissions.
1: Yeah, that uh, it seems yeah, it's easy to point fingers and place blame or, or say, hey, we're all for this as long as uh, we don't have to pay for it, as long as uh, you're going to do that. Uh, I want to dig in just real quickly, Phil, with you on some of the ways to actually get at it. I know so much of your work is figuring out how does the free market work in this? What are the, the low-cost free market ways to actually get to the right results? Is there anything coming out of the conference that gives you uh, a window or a vision or a little bit of hope that, hey, there's there's a path where maybe some improvement could happen?
0: Uh, That's a a good question, because I'd say I have less hope for this conference specifically. It's actually, I think, kind of regressed the conversation. Mm. Uh, You you look at the expected cost of uh, how much it takes to address climate change globally or have a clean energy transition. And with the current array of technology, we see multiple estimates uh, coming in around $50 trillion. So it's just not feasible to say, oh, you know, someone else is going to pay for it or, Rich countries will cover the cost. Even John Kerry said it's not in the zone of reality, he called it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yet that is what we're seeing as most of the focus. If we want to address climate change, we need to find ways to have a global market that enshrines competition, where clean energy sources are more competitive and have comparable utility to fossil fuels. And that really comes from having a globally competitive and interconnected market Uh, Where American companies can compete in China and other places. Uh, And a lot less of the, hey, you know, let's just keep subsidizing everything. Which actually reduces the incentives for uh, improvements and cost effectiveness.
1: Yeah, and I'm so glad you mentioned that because so often we say, "Oh, we just need government to invest more in so many of these things," but often that does stifle the innovation because it creates this uh, false reality, and you're picking winners and losers, uh, and suddenly there's there's not a whole lot of incentive because it's impossible for anyone else to get in without those big government dollars coming in, which are usually achieved through lobbying efforts rather than results efforts in terms of uh, what they're producing. Uh, how do we get past that part of the equation and, and get to where we can have some real transparency and accountability for those results?
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And i say there's uh, you know, more complexity in the solutions than we would like. But uh, at the end of the day, it, it's really kind of a recognition that if you're subsidizing a company you are shielding this company from the responsibility of improving their profits by reducing costs and improving uh, utility to consumers. So having less of a subsidy regime, having more competition, focusing less on the sort of mandates we see at home, you know, a lot of these uh, renewable portfolio standards, and more about just having a competitive environment where the outcome is valued, that's what's going to drive the real cost down. Is going to help these technologies to be competitive in countries where uh, they can't afford to pay the subsidies that we do in the United States.
1: That's why we talked to Phil Rossetti. He's a resident senior fellow at the R Street Institute, always gives us great perspective on all things energy. Phil, thanks for weighing in today. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, great insight, as always, uh, from Phil. Uh, those are important discussions about climate. We can all get on board. We have to do it right, figuring that out. Coming up next, President Biden's student loan agenda has hit yet another judicial snag. Is this another example of executive overreach running into the brick wall of the judiciary? Stay with us. We'll talk about that coming up next. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one.